What is up and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast, so thank you guys for listening. It is really, really cool. I'm particularly excited about this week's guest because he is a very close friend of mine. He has a very cool story and he has a very cool outlook on life. All of those things combined to be a good ass episode. Uh, The guest is Riley. Riley grew up in Southern California, surfing and skating, really close with Dylan Reeder, so that's a crazy part of the story. Then got into music, had a really cool piece there, uh, got sober at a super early age, talks about that, then gets into tour managing and does this crazy amount of cool stuff in TMing, uh, tour managed Capital Cities, Black Bear, Smoke Perp, Chase Atlantic, a bunch of really cool bands and had the dream of a career there, but did not stop there. Um, Got to a point where he had always played music and always done music and decided to chase his own path. And we talk a lot about that. In the year that he's been doing that, he's accomplished an insane amount. He's gone on tour with Young Pinch. He's got on tour, he's on tour right now with Boogie. Uh, He did some of Warp Tour, which was really cool. Actually, all of Warp Tour. Um, And has a bunch of really cool shit planned for the future. Um, In addition to that, it was just a fun-ass conversation. Like, again, we're really close friends, so it it felt like, out of all episodes, this one felt like you were just, like, sitting down with us bullshitting and having a conversation, and that's kind of exactly what I'm going for. So that was a really fun part of it. Uh, I think that pretty much gives you the intro. I want you to hear the story from him. Um, If you do like it, please, please share it. That's been the most helpful part of all of this uh, spreading the word. So... Uh, my social media is at Andrew underscore FTW. Riley's is at Riley M4A. But yeah, just screenshotting the episode and sharing it on whatever social media you want uh, has been really fucking helpful for growing this. So I think that's just about as much of an intro as you need. Uh, let's get into it. Enjoy this one because I really did myself. All right. Well, here we are. Um, thank you so much for coming here and doing this. I've been wanting to do this one with you for a minute, so. Fuck off. Can you hear me? <laughs> Is this loud enough? Just gain it up like fucking crazy right now. All right, cool. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome What's to poppin'? the podcast. We have blown out your speakers already. You are welcome. Enjoy. <laughs> welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you doing today? This is something that I've wanted to do for a while now and get you on the podcast, so. I'm glad that it's, uh, I'm glad we're doing it. Dude, I'm honestly, I'm really excited to be here. I know you've been talking about doing a podcast for a long, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you want to start doing this podcast? Well, you know, it came to me, I don't know, a couple months ago. Next question. How old are you? I'm 16. Next question. What car do you love the most? uh, Next question. Porsche (laughs) 9. All right, cool. No, thank you for having me. I'm stoked that we're actually getting to do this. We've been friends for fucking... About 10 years now. Actually. Yeah, that was... We literally met on the Millionaires Tour. When I was literally going to start this yeah. by being like, yo, so how did we meet? And it was Millionaires 2011. No, it was before that. Was it 10? Yeah. No, because I wasn't even... I was dating her... Fuck, what year was I dating her? 2000... End of 2009, 2010. So I think it was 2009, end of 2009, early 2010 that tour was. Okay. Yeah. So we met on that tour. Yeah. And 
literally didn't know that we'd become as good of friends as we did. Which Not was at all. Sick. Because well, because it was funny because you were nice to us. Like yeah, of there course. was no That's just me. Regardless of us being friends or not, like right. you were just a nice dude. But it's funny, like going back, like even we did that whole tour not knowing that we both like were deep into the car community right. as well. And like there were so many the things. Sickest, yeah. yeah. The sickest part about it. Because no one like obviously touring we have some friends that are like car guys and then you don't find out because you're so deep into this music thing and what we're hustling every day to do and then after years later we didn't we didn't find out that we both had the same mutual love for the car community like the same car community and and had mutual friends and all of that shit in this world it was so sick yeah because it's like it's so rare that like any of that like there will be like people in music that'll be like, oh yeah, like I love sports cars or whatever. But to be like, yeah, like I'm obsessed with making my car too low and breaking oil pans for no reason. Like my life. It's rare to have that yeah. cross. And that was what we are. Yeah. I and like that. still have to this day Prezi and like Dude. that. It's so crazy. Like that whole world connected and like. I know. And like even like Gino now, like on I the know. West Coast, like so you're friends with my East Coast I friends know. and I'm friends with your West Coast friends. I mean, that's the best part about it. And that's what's so cool about this probably is, sounds so weird to so many people who are jumping in, like listening to this. I thought this was a music yeah, podcast. We immediately stemmed into like the car community, but that's how we found out like the opposite side of like why we were friends. You know yeah. what I mean? Music, of course, is always going to be the first and foremost reason that brought us together. But to see that we had this love for something so off the wall that normal people have no idea about is is rad. Yeah. Well, to me, it's cool because it's like. We became friends just because you were nice. Then we became friends because we liked cars and we've stayed friends. And like, you're one of those friends where not only do we have all these same common interests, we've also both like diligently chased a path in like doing as big of things as we can in music. And like, you have that drive. So like, it's another point where it's like, dude, I fucking love you. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. So what I like to do with the pod is I like to start off by like the beginning. So like, take me back to, I don't know, like early days, like, where are you from? Like, what was, what was early life? A little bit about me. Um, I like long walks on the beach. Mm -hmm. I like yoga and stretching. What's your favorite color? Zello. Okay. It's a mix between yellow and Zebra. And zebra. It's so it's basically a zebra but with yellow stripes. Yeah. So it's new and exciting. No one's probably heard of it, but it's gonna get a lot. It's gonna be like the new trend this year. Kids are gonna love it. And then they're gonna put a trap trap snare and trap hi hats to it. And then it's gonna be a whole new music genre. So over Zello. Yeah. There we go. Um and then you can actually see how much your house is worth on it too. That's right. Yeah. So you're Zello. from Zello. You grew up from, loving Zello. Yeah, so I'm from uh Sure, I'm born and raised Huntington Beach, California. Um, I lived in Westminster when I was... I think my parents got lived there when we were like... I think I ended up moving out of the Westminster house to Huntington, which is all Orange County area, basically. Um, moved out of Westminster to Huntington when I was probably about seven. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up. Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade. Really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Whoa. Full blown. Like, which was great. Like that's what my, my dad's side of the family, like, and same with my mom as well. Like they're all like Italian Catholic. Like that was 
big Italian family, the whole deal. That's yeah, I didn't so know that. Grew, yeah. And you up, have brothers and sisters too. I have one younger sister who's 20. Fuck, I'm 30. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm 31 years old. I'm an adult. Wow. Um, my sister is 29, married, three kids best kids in the in the world i'm like proud uncle it's, oh it's yeah awesome. seeing you go into uncle riley Dude, mode you know is. How it is like <laughs> we always had that conversation where it's like the only thing that riley i think is meant to be is like a dad like yeah. that's like uh, just all the ladies out there if you're listening <laughs> i have no kids but I'd like to have some kids. It was um, so funny because like, you're so like, if you were to see you on the street right. and not know you, you'd be like, dude with lots of tattoos, whatever. And like scary, scary like, like whatever. Yeah. And then you're like the softy. You're just like, yo, like I'm trying to have kids. Like as soon as you're around kids, you're like, yeah. what's up little dude. And yeah. like, you're the best. Dude, it's it's the so best. Like, th- like for me, when I was growing up, you know what I mean? Like I grew up in the surf and skateboard world of things. And like, Growing up, my dad taught, you know, had me skating and surfing super young. And like, that's how, you know, I met Dylan Reeder. Dylan was my next door neighbor. And me and Dylan from when we were like four years old started skateboarding. And like, that's so there, crazy. Yeah. That was like, and dude, that, that part of my life, like, so we had, we've been friends since, like I said, since we were probably four. So like, I remember being that young and watching all my dad and his friends like surfing and skating and, now it's like having nephews and like being able to like, like my sister's husband built him a mini ramp. Yeah. So at the house we're like skating the mini ramp and all that shit. It's so, it's just such a cool thing. Well, cause I was going to ask you about that. So it's like, I didn't know the Catholic school part, but like I've met your family and like, they're so fucking chill. Yeah. Like they're just dude. So many very times. Lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Like so Same many times. Your parents, though, they're fucking awesome. Oh yeah. Like we've both, that was a, that's the coolest part is like, we've both been able to like, not only be in, each other's life on the business aspect, but also like personal lives. You know what I mean? Like I've stayed with your family so many times. You've been to my parents' house for like whatever functions. Yeah, it's it was just, like Thanksgiving or yeah, Christmas. One of those. It's yeah. awesome, dude. It's such a cool thing to be able to do. Well, yeah. So like, it's it's funny to me though because like a lot of times, like the artists or the people that end up in like these like different roles in life, like outside of the nine to fives, sometimes do have like a fucked up, broken home or like have right. like a weird like maybe their parents are from a different country and they have like this like dry or like this or that Mm -hmm. so it's almost crazy like to like meet the person that with like that much drive yet like you have the chillest most loving supportive family like it at least to me it wasn't always like that though you know what i mean okay (coughs) when i was younger (coughs) i'd say when i was in high school i used to i was i was like the party guy like you know just getting fucked up constantly like that was my whole shtick like i was i was trying to have fun like well yeah so take me back to that so like you're four years old your dad has obviously like i mean even still your dad surfs and like is that like every day like dude my dad was so diehard surf that he would take the boogie board every time i'd try to bring it into he has a 1970 volkswagen bus which kind of instilled like my love of volkswagen audi and german car culture Every time I'd bring the boogie board into the bus, he'd take it and he'd throw it out of the bus into the lawn. And he's like, we don't boogie board in this family. You're surfing. So from that young age, (laughs) I would fucking be crying like, fuck you. (laughs) But it taught me that I have to surf and like actually made me like a really good surfer. And I thought I was going to do that for a career, which is the craziest part. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask. It's like, you're at a very young age. You have a dad that's heavily into surfing. You grow up next to Dylan reader, which is like, we could do a whole episode on just you guys and that, but like you're growing up in a world so far from music, at least to start. So like, 
you, like at what point, how long are you doing that for? Like what gets you to the point of being like rebellious Riley in high school? Like what's that like? So it, growing up through surfing and skateboarding, all that shit, like obviously me and Dylan, us growing up together, like, you know, the skateboard community, we looked up to like these older dudes. We'd go skate and go surf with all these older people. All of my friends when I was in high school were people who were out of high school or seniors and shit like that. And so obviously me and Dylan were trying to get drunk smoking cigs when we could we were trying to fit in with the older kids you know i mean that was just what you do especially being like the young skateboard kids so it's funny because all that time like as i started partying you know i I fell in love with music my pops was like the, the cool thing about my dad and my mom as well like there was no like set thing that they ever listened to you know my mom was listening to beatles and amy man and like all of this classic stuff, but like Alanis Morissette. And then my dad was listening to like Snoop Dogg and also like Boys to Men, but Metallica and Sublime and 311. So like I had this mix of like every genre of music, which helped me today because, you know, my love for music and what I create is now so it's very R&B driven pop yeah. music but legit shouts to your dad yeah, for like he, exposing he you to my like, mo- like my mom and, my mom and dad like that was one thing that i tell everyone is like i'm very lucky to have grown up with such a wide array of music because it really let like let me see the parts that i love from each genre and then be able to take that and do what i love the most out of it you know yeah um but yeah so as i was growing up surfing and skating I had my love for music and all that stuff. And when I was in high school, I started making music, you know? And when I was in high school, I would, I was in like the hardcore band that would play it, like the open up shows and shit like that. Nothing oh, ever toured or anything like that. And but then, it was that early, like in high school, oh, you were yeah. playing in band. And then Holy I started shit. making like R&B rap music mm-hmm. in high school too. And then, like, as time went on, time went on, like, graduated high school and things like that, I, ha- I like, found out what my music style was. And it's yeah. a lot like it was, like it is now. Yeah. But obviously, I've progressed over the years in my songwriting yeah. and things like that. But, you know, it, it, it showed me, like, you can create whatever you want as long as you're creating what's cool to you and what you are passionate about, that's all that fucking matters. Like, yeah, that's cool though. Because like, again, like with your parents exposing you to everything and like growing up in skate community, playing in metal bands, but then also hearing the other side of it, like it really did show you everything. Yeah. So, and then in high school, like when you're playing in bands, were you still skating? Were you still surfing? Surfing every day. I had all the sponsors. Oh, what? Yeah. I had all like, it was funny because me and Dylan would like every We'd hang every day, surf every day, skate every day, go snowboarding on the weekends. Like, our parents would take us to go do all this shit. And Dylan, like, slowly progressed in skating and, like, got all the sponsors skating. And I had all the sponsors surfing. So it was, like, the constant duel of, like, I'd take him to go surfing with me. Dude, there's still, like, one of my favorite uh, memories. We went skating all day. And then at the evening, we went out for a surf. And the waves were huge. Like, and it was me, Dylan my buddy Joe and then my other friend Dave and we, my dad always has surfed the same spot at the cliffs for as long as I can remember. We always go to the same spot too. When I went to go surf me and Dylan, I Dylan catches a wave. He goes inside and then I catch this set wave, this huge left and I do this air 
and land right in front of Dylan. And everyone, it was Dylan and my friend Joe Pala. And I was like, what the fuck? Because like I could still surf. And the same to this day, it's like I'll go surf with my dad and I'll, I like won't surf in like months. And then I'll go out and surf and I'll do something like that in front of him. My dad's like, fuck you, man. Goes, yeah, because I can still surf. It's like, it's like riding a bike, dude. Once you get like a few waves in, you're like, wow, I can. But yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's like, wild. I, I grew up skateboarding and like I can still skate a little bit. I can hold my own, but like I didn't start surfing till later and like yeah. I'm fine. But right. like, I don't know. I can't relate on that. Like uh, that must be nice to be able no, to like get it, out there and like do it like dude, riding a bike. I didn't, I think like anything, it's, it's just like being persistent. Like with whatever career, whatever you're doing, it's like my dad would take me surfing. The waves would be way too big for me to be out there, Yeah, but he'd make me paddle out. And I'd get my ass kicked by the waves, yeah. and, but I, it taught me to not be afraid of the ocean and that I could do it, whatever. And I don't think if he would have like made me go surf like that or as much as he did, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been as good as I am or. Yeah. It also kind of teaches you that lesson so early, right? Of like the persistence, 100%. like so That's many of I'm my so... friends that like skated and anything like that, like those alternative or like, like, yeah, like I don't even know what to call it. Like the non-traditional sports, right? Like I feel like that shit teaches you so much. Cause it's like, if you want to land that kickflip or if you want to learn that trick, you like, have to do it there... over and over and you're going to eat shit. And... Yeah. And it's like funny how much that applies. So it's, it's like, it almost explains part, like another part of you, like the fact that you are so just driven. Well, dude, and I learned at a very young age, like, you know, going back to like the relationship with my family and things like that. It's like when I was in high school, like me and my parents didn't have the best relationship. But it drove, oh. like, I moved out of the house at 16. And is that because you just went too hard on, like, yeah, the party Yeah, because side? I was partying. I was being an ass. You know, when you're that teen, you're being an asshole. And I'm sure a bunch of people will be able to relate on that. It's like, yeah, when you're younger, you don't really appreciate everything that you have and what has been given to you. So you act like an asshole. So for me, I was like, fuck you guys. I'm going to do whatever the, whatever I want. So I did that. You know, I moved out at 16. We, had a, we didn't have the best relationship through mm-hmm. the end of high school. Mm-hmm. But... What it taught me was if I don't go out and get get it for myself, I'm never going to get it. You know what I mean? So it's like that you have to be and want to be the best at everything you do or nothing's going to happen for you. Yeah. And that's something that I've really haven't had to take into consideration for like the last few years of my life. Like as you know, when I got out of high school. I was a hairdresser. I went right into hair school. Yeah. Cause I knew that about you. Like when we met, I right. knew that you had done that. And like, yeah. even on our first tour, you're like giving everyone like right. the freshest cuts and shit like it. that. But like, so how does that happen? Like, how did you go from like, you're playing in bands, you're surfing, you're skating, you're hanging with Dylan, you move out mm-hmm. and then you so, start. So basically at, when I graduated high school, I was like, well, what can I do? I loved cutting my friend's hair. That okay. was just what I was doing. And then the music thing was always there. Like, So you just stayed doing a lot of things. Yeah, at this always. Okay. And that was like, you know, the, the hairdressing part I was like, well, what can I do to have a normal career? I don't want to go to college. I don't want to go to a conventional college. That's not for me. I knew that. I went to hair school right off the bat. I was like, at least if I do this. I'll have a career that I can always do the rest of my life. I'll have a license to do this and have a trade. So I did it, worked in salons, loved doing it. I was good at it. And then it got to that point where my clientele was like, you know, I'd say 30 to 65 year old women, rich (laughs) women in Newport Beach. Yeah, you're down in OC. And 
I just despised it. I ended up hating it, not because of what I was doing, but for the conversations and the people that I had to deal with on an everyday basis, it was soul sucking. Like all of a sudden, like from going from cutting your friend's hair and like doing creative shit to like, just I'm listening to therapist. It was fucking terrible, dude. And in the meantime, while I was touring or while I was, um, cutting hair, I was doing, going on little weekend runs with friends, bands, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then I was dating Melissa in the millionaires, you know, and I'd done some like West coast tours, whatever. And then they were going out on a full U S and they're like, Oh, can you tour manage for full, the full U S tour? And I was like, well, yeah. And then I talked with my boss at the salon and I was like, yo, I got this opportunity, but it means I'm going to be gone a month and a half. Like, what would you do? Cause he's, you know, I never wanted to be a salon hairdresser. I wanted to be like the editorial, like, do the stuff for like high fashion or shit like that. He's yeah. like, he's like, you have the opportunity to travel the U S make a yeah. paycheck. He's like, you'd be dumb to stay here. And well, that was the the owner of the salon that I worked for. He's like, you'll always have a job. If you ever want to come back to the salon, you have a job. Always Whoa. still to this day. That's My dad sick. sees him all the time. He's like, I was Riley. Oh yeah, shit. He's like the coolest That's awesome. dude. But, um, so from there, it's like, I made that decision let all my clients know that, Hey, I'm going to be out of town, like whatever. And then ended up one tour led to another tour led to just constant touring. Okay. So ever since question. Yeah. We met, how many tours in were you when we met? Full U S tours. Yeah. I'd say like that was probably the third or fourth full us like okay. i had done shit and i had learned from andy sorrell at chain reaction yeah because andy i'm sorry what yo so andy has been so i grew up at chain reaction right holy this is important yeah and for any listener that might not know yeah. chain reaction because i think it's more of like if you music scene and west coast knows but like chain reaction is the 300 the C, how many what no it's like of of california what's That's the what cap on it it's I always 400, I yeah, think 400 like ish, 50 ish, 400. Yeah. yeah. Like 400 people in there is absolutely insane, but yeah. like it is Chaos. the legendary venue. It's been there forever. It is the proving ground venue. Everyone has played it. And it's like, it's just the fucking staple. Yeah. Okay. So, so Andy, what? so I grew up going to that venue, right? Holy, of course. Yeah. So yeah. that was my local spot since I was a kid. Andy Sorrell didn't own it at that point. was just like a partner in the, in the club. Yeah. Andy, I knew, you know, stuff on the front end of the touring side. Andy really showed me like the back end of things like settlements and all of that kind of shit. Because Andy, I I was always asking questions. I wanted to know shit. And Andy was like one of the people who was like, yo, this is what you need to know, what you need to do, things you need to. Because I was always like, how do I become better? How do I become like the best of this job? And again, like for the listener, if they don't know, Andy Sorreo is ne- like Andy has done everything. Every, everything you can imagine. He's in this booked world. crazy huge festivals. He's worked at probably every cool label you can think yeah. of and has just been in the scene forever. Like truly like one of the best dudes in it. Andy so like put on the very first show that I played as an artist headline show in 2009. He made like let me play chain didn't make me sell tickets like let me put on my own show there and at that point there was, i actually made money on that show because there were so many people that showed up which was crazy to me oh my god and then from there like booked me on another thing the headline it was some touring band the oh headliner was god. like hey can you play before so the headliner made me close because they didn't want all the people that i had oh to my leave god. and that was like in the beginning of it in 2009 like 
that was what was cool to me is like I knew when I started this shit for real. Yeah. My music that the the people who were listening loved it. Yeah. And and I it was something that I had to like give up almost because you know, you go through those points in life where you need to make money and you yeah. need to like be a real human and pay bills and all of that shit. Well, so. cuz we sidebarred a little bit. So you how old are you when you're doing the whole, like the full-time hairdresser thing? Cause you go from, I was, I was, tw- no, let's see. I got out of high school, 18 finished hair school by 19. I'd say between 19 and 20, I'd say 19 to 21. It was when I was full-time hair salon, okay. but also touring part-time. Yep. And then by 21, I was touring full-time. Okay. I made the decision to tour full-time. And yeah, so like even though you were doing that full-time, you were going out with your friends here and there. You had your own music. You had met Andy. You're still skating. You're still doing everything, Everything. but like your your money is coming from here. Right. And another part, which we don't have to go too deep into, but I just like, I know that you've talked about it before, is like you said like in high school, you had a bad relationship with your parents and like you like got pretty deep into party side of things. Right, yeah. So like- I ended up actually getting sober at 21. And so from 21, I like just woke up one morning and I was like, dude, I don't want to do this shit. It's ruining like business relationships, personal relationships. And I just wasn't happy with like what I was doing and the point where I was in life. So at 21, I actually stopped doing everything. And I was just like, you know, I need to focus on me and my career. And I don't know what it is that I want to do with my career, but I know it's not partying which is taking yeah. up my time you know what i mean because by the time i met you you were like yeah, very yeah, focused that shit. was not you right yeah and i think that like really helped me over the years because you know from that point and i think what what every artist and manager and etc loved was that I was always the sober reason on tour mm-hmm. so that when there is shit going on, it's chaotic Yep, because everyone's fucked up and being a nightmare. There was at least one person that was like, okay, he's level headed. He can yeah. think logically. He's not wasted. Like, yep. I think it helped me a lot as a tour manager, you know, but you also had the other side of you where it wasn't like you were just always the stuck up kid that like hadn't experienced life. You had experienced it so much where like you could treat somebody that was partying with respect and bring them oh, back course. down to earth. And like you, you had such a good view of both sides right. from so early. Yeah. And I'm I think very that lucky, very in. lucky for that. Yeah. Cause dude, I, I got to see, you know, cause I get it. Like I understand how it is. I'm like, you truly do. Have, yeah. I, I totally get it. And like, I see both sides and, and you have to like look back at these situations and be like, Oh cool. That's like not that person. That's not who they are right then. They're just in the moment and whatever is affecting them is affecting them. And that really helped me a lot as a tour manager. And I think that's what kind of stemmed my career up and then also my hard work and being willing to help, you know, friends and teach people things because all the people who are in this game as tour managers, crew, production managers, et cetera, they all taught me. So, of course, my friends who wanted to learn and people that were like in my life, of course I'm going to help them because if someone wants to do something bad enough, why would I hold that back from anyone? Yeah. I want to be there so everyone can achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. But you just have to want it. I'm not going to fucking hold someone's hand. And I did that. You know what I mean? I helped 
a bunch of friends. Like I can literally vouch for that firsthand. Like I, I was pretty green to touring and especially tour managing. That was probably like my second or third tour I ever you tour managed. You were always managed. good with Excel sheets. Always been a big Excel guy. You're a, you're a good spreadsheet. Guy. I like my cells. Uh, but yeah, so that like, I don't know, that is cool. And I can, I, I can vouch for that firsthand. Cause even by the time I met you, you had an extreme air of confidence and like you were very kind and you didn't hold it above. And like, you know, we were the opening buy on band and you still were so real. So that's cool. Well, but, and that just going off that part right there, it's crazy because I always tell fans this on stage when they always say like, whatever, when everyone tries to treat me like I'm some special deal i'm like i always tell fans this every single time i was like the only difference between me and you guys is that i'm the one that gets to be on the stage and sing there's nothing else that's different we're on the same playing field we're all fucking people and elohim who's like another artist that i fucking really respect yeah she's like this female pop edm songwriter producer like we had this conversation the other day and and I was like, I just love that you treat everyone as humans. It doesn't mm. matter how old, how young, what you do for a job. It doesn't matter. It's like we're all just people doing, trying to do what we love. You know what I mean? That that helped me a lot. That's you know, so fucking good. Yeah. You know what I mean? That. Where did that come from? What? Just, just being that a good I, person. Like that attitude. Because there's really? not enough fucking good people in this world, dude. That was that's something still to this day. Like, if I wasn't the good person that I was, I don't think I would have gone gotten anything that i have in my life but since i've treated everyone like dude i'm i'm the avid guy that would walk into every venue and it didn't matter if they were a stagehand the mer the person counting in merch the bartender the promoter didn't matter i'd shake everyone's hand and i at the end of the night i'd tell everyone thank you for their help because everyone's just everyone's working you yeah know what i mean we're all here trying to make one thing all come together and happen but i just i wonder like you you really like that is you through and through and like, you know, like maybe that's like your parents just being such good people or whatever. But like, I, I like, I wonder I mean, where that, that comes from in I the think sense. A lot of it, like a lot of it had to do with my parents for sure. My, my, and my grandparents, like I watched my, you know, my grandfather on my mom's side was the trainer of the Brooklyn Dodgers from when they were in Brooklyn up until 2000, he was the athletic trainer. And then my grandfather on my dad's side, he ran a furniture business and he wore a suit every single day to work until he was, you know, pretty much until he passed away. Like, yeah, but he, it was, I watched them and then my dad as well show so much respect to everybody. It yeah. didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what you had. It was the same shit. Like, yeah, we're all just people trying to figure it out. Like, just be respectful to one another. And yeah. I, and I carry that to this day. And like, I tell people like all the time, I don't care what you have or who you are, or what you've done. It doesn't mean shit to me, dude. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I just continue to, to do that and just be a good person. And it's helped me a lot. I can really vouch for that though. Like I like seeing it for, I mean, we've known each other for 10 years and like, it's cool to hear it incorporate into your story, but like, it's also cool to like, you don't just say that like you mean it, no. but anyway, so, um, you leave the hairdressing thing mm -hmm. and you're like starting to tour more. You're dating Melissa from the millionaires Correct. and they, they had just lived in OC. So you yeah, just probably met... live across the street from my parents' house. Oh, so wow. like so... <clears throat> our parents live like, uh, Slater is like the main, like my parents, there's like the street called Slater. 
they lived on the opposite side of Slater. So it's literally, I could throw a baseball from my backyard and hit their house. Like, wow. That's how close it was. Okay. And we all, you know, we grew up, we went to the same schools and like they were in Catholic school. And then we just ended up after high school finally hanging out for real. And yeah, so we dated and then was tour managing them, went on tour with them. And I, uh, am I close enough on the microphone right now? <laughs> For the listener, I pointed at the boom stand and he gestured just pointed, to... He pointed at the boom stand. I'm going to have to bring those levels down. That's... God damn it. That's what I'm saying. We, <laughs> if this does not explain our friendship no, in it. the... What did you say? <laughs> this is your fault. The hey. blown atlas, this is... Hey, the, if you don't like it, suck it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about. You got to have fun, dude. Um, but yeah, so we... I ended up working with them. Yeah. And then when our relationship, when we split up, I kept getting calls to tour manage because the word travel, you know what I mean? You were really good at your job. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I still like, I like to think that I have consistently done a good job for all the artists I've worked for. And it shows because I've never, every single person that I work for, it's been long term. Like Dude, every when, single person, when I have to move on to the next thing yeah. to get out of it. Cause they don't. And then everyone gets bummed out. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like when you stopped TMing, the whole industry was bummed. Cause it was like, well, there's a good one gone now. Damn it. So it's so funny that you say that when like towards the end. So the past, I'd say like fast forward, like I've been a tour manager for all these years. Right. Well, I don't want to fast forward too, too much. Okay. Cause we'll like get I have the TM. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, okay, so you... Can I smoke cigarettes in here? Damn it, Riley. (laughs) (laughs) You should really make this cigarette friendly. You got an ashtray? (laughs) When you finish, I hate you so much. I hate you so much. (laughs) (coughs) Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) Okay, go on. You split with Melissa. You had TMM mm-hmm. for a long time. That was a really cool thing. But then you went on to just continue to TM, and you probably right. didn't expect that, right? No, I did. I okay. mean, when I made that choice to leave the salon full time, it was like only I was only going to tour as a tour manager. Like okay. I made that decision. Like it okay. was one of those things for me where I was like, I don't want to get stuck in the salon. It's not what I want to do anymore. I want to make this solely my career, and. You know, at that point, like I was friends with Evan, who was in Ghost Town. And ah. then from after the millionaires thing, it ended up I went out with Ghost Town. Yep. And I was with them for a few years. And then did that. And then, dude, just like constantly, it was like, I wouldn't, I haven't sent out a resume in four years. Yeah. Solely because of word of mouth travels. Yeah. And so then you went from, I mean, what you TM'd then from probably like 2010 till. I mean, dude, 10, maybe till 13, like consistently. Yeah, Yeah, a lot. Because you went from Ghost Town into. I don't even know. So I did Ghost Town. I did New Year's Day. I did Set It Off, which that was when, how we met before. Yeah, that was Um, a full circle moment. that, That was so funny. Oh my God. Yeah, that was. So when I started, yeah, when I took the TM gig. Yeah. You basically passed off the torch. That's right. Because I stopped TMing Set It Off mm-hmm. and I started working at Equal Vision. Correct. And then Set It Off so needed sick. a TM for Warp Tour 2015. Uh-huh. 
and Equal Vision needed media. So right. I went out and got to ride with the boys who so were on the same so bus sick. again. Was it was like, UTMing. Was All of us together. I was tour managing. You were on the bus. We were making espressos every morning, sitting on the porch. Like, dude, that was such a fun thing. Like, and that was obviously like, I can't remember. That was probably like my third warp tour at the time. And, but that was my first time where I like really, really enjoyed it yeah. because like all of us were together and it was yeah. such a, fr- it was ba- it was a friendship thing. Like, yeah, I didn't give a fuck about the work. No. And like, it was care. like, we legitimately, like we were having so much Every fun with day, it. Dude. It was like, it felt like family that's and like, that's what I love about warp tour. It's like the days suck. It's, yeah. it's the, I, I tell people this all the time and it's the worst and best tour you will ever do in your life. And I'm so grateful that I've gotten to go from having a band on a small stage to the next stage to the main stage all the way to the end of it. And then the very last year of Warped Tour, Kevin lets me play Warped Tour. So I got to play as an artist Warped Tour, which is something that I didn't think was going to happen. And I got to as I eat a quesadilla and we talk life. Not only did you get to play, he's eating it really well, too. He's looking Mm -hmm. right into my eyes as he eats it. You like that, baby? I do. (laughs) Uh, but not only did you get to play the last Warp Tour, I believe you broke a record where you, are you you have yeah. a, a weird Warp Tour stat where you're so, the only artist. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> I'm the only artist to ever play every single stage of Warp Tour in one summer. Unreal. And I, we'll get Kevin, to yeah, we'll get, get, we'll get to how you did it, but I right. love that. So yeah, so Warp Tour 15, we get to hang out. You're still TMing. And then... I guess the the last piece of your TM career that I want to touch on is like there was a shift where you went from bands signed to indie labels and like you were an incredible TM, but doing like tours, like thousand cap tours kind of thing, right? To then you go on to TM a major label artist, which I believe was mainland first or capital cities, capital cities. So in capital cities still to this day, I still tour manage them just right. because like they're family. They're the best group of people like the entire band and crew that I have, like it's a family operation and everyone treats it that way. And, but it was funny. Remember I was on warp tour with set it off and I got oh. the call and it was so funny because the, the reason I got this call was set it off's business manager who is now my business manager, Matt Malas, best dude in the world. Um, he capital city's manager had been friends with Dan with, um, Matt Malas forever. So Dan hits him up. Hey, do you know any tour managers? Capital Cities is looking for someone new. Um, before he even hits me up, Matt goes, he puts me on an email and it says, there's no one better for this job than Riley. So I get a, I, I'm like, I see this email. I'm like, what the fuck? And I scroll down and I'm like, holy shit. That's yeah. amazing. I was like, who's this for? And I look, I was like, oh my God, it's for Capital Cities. You had... Probably to this day, one of the biggest hit songs, Safe and Sound. That's like, yeah. And I, all of a sudden, like, and it's like, it had come out around mid- that time. Like, it's like yeah. hitting. Yeah, at that it was like time. hitting. Like, at that it's point. like fresh out. So, we were, I was on Warp Tour. I remember the day we were at Mall of America. It was a day off. Oh. And everyone's going to the mall, enjoying the fucking day off of this Warp Tour. And Ryan and Sebu, who are, capital cities yeah we i have a phone call with them all right uh, uh facetime skype 
Nice. Because they'd never see me, don't know anything about me, whatever. So, yeah. boom, they see me right off the bat. It's all three of us on this phone call, and, and we get talking. And and for me, every artist that I work with, like, there's two really important parts as a tour manager of what you have to be aware of and, and what you need to do for your client. And one is, A, make sure you're always saving as much money as possible, and B, making sure that the artist can spend as much time with their family as possible. Yeah. And that those are super important things to me. Like especially as the artist develops more family like if they have kids and shit exactly. like that. Exactly. And it's cool. and so you know, we had this this full conversation me, Ryan and Sebu and and at the end of it I was like, "Look, end of the day, guys, all I want to do is make sure that we're doing things efficiently as possible." And I was like, "Seb, you have a wife, kid, Ryan, your girl." Like I was like, "All I want to do is make sure that you guys can a be with them as much as possible, fly them out what we need to do. Like, I just want to make sure that you can do this and stay sane. And from, they both paused and they're like, no one's ever brought that side of it. They're like, that's very important to us. And I was like, well, I was like, I come from a huge family, like not my immediate like parents. I only have one sister, but like I come from a giant family. Like my mom's side is from five. My dad has nine in his family. So I was like, family's important. So I was like, that's one thing that I always want you guys to know is like, I'm here to make that happen when we can. And I've been with them since. Yeah. You know, and you know, that was what was crazy as a tour manager. Like I went from playing thousand cap rooms to then doing, you know, the biggest festivals there are crazy shit. Coachella, Lollapalooza, like Firefly, all these huge festivals to where I, it was, I didn't think, there was that point where I was like, am I ready for this? And I had to ask all my friends, like my tour manager friends, they're like, dude, there's no one readier than you are. Yeah. And I had to think back and look, I was like, it's all the same. It doesn't I, matter actually, how though, big it is. It's the same. I love that you say that because like, I think that for a lot of people like deeper in like touring right. world, there is kind of that divide, right? Of like, you can go do the independent tours, independent labels, get up to about a thousand cap venues, house of blues. And then there's like this shift of like, it's a major label artist. They've had a song on the radio, whatever. Like it's just getting to another, is that a burrito? It's a burrito. It's a burrito. It's a burrito. But yeah, no, there's that shift. Yeah. And, it, so, and it's scary. You know what I mean? It, it gets right. to a point where it's like, it's really a whole new, look, it looks like it's a whole new area, yeah. but it's the same exact shit. Just well, on a larger scale. Well, that's and like, it. that's, that's what I wanted to ask is like, I really have no idea who all is listening, but like, if you are anyone touring or if you are like, if you're doing your career right, you're gonna go from a spot of like independent venues going up to a thousand, like independent artists, whatever, and then getting to a that. So like, ha- like the fact that you lived it and the fact that you always had such confidence that you always did so well in it. Oh, like, dude, what did, scared. what did you go through? Like, tell me like. You hit your friends up, but like, what was that like? Like, so, was there any like yeah, tangible yeah. lessons of like, no, do you know this? What? Luckily, like all the things that I was doing as a tour manager, I had already asked those questions f- yeah. from older production managers and tour managers. And it was one of those things where it was just all in my head. Like, am I ready for this? Can I do this? Like, but yeah, I was, you know what yeah. I mean? But I just didn't give myself enough credit yeah. and didn't understand that like, everything that I was doing on a smaller scale was the same exact thing that I would, that I did on the larger scale. So it was just all a, 
internal struggle with myself. So like, yeah. that's the one thing. Like, if you're getting to that level and you got an opportunity to go with a bigger artist, don't be afraid to do it. Because if you kick ass at your job now at whatever level you're at, you will do great. And you know, it gets actually easier when you work for a bigger artist because it's not every one of these penny pinching dickhead managers trying to take all your money from you or not pay you enough. Yeah. These artists pay you what you deserve to get paid. And then on top of it, you have a full crew that everyone does their own job. Yeah. You're the tour manager, you tour manage. He's a production manager, he production manages. You have a front of house that just does front of house, an LD that just does lights, video guy. Like, I have a crew for everything. That's so fucking cool to hear because like, again, like for so many of those people that like, cause you can almost get stuck in just that realm of touring. And like, I think that's really cool to hear that. Uh, and to spread that of just like, don't like get out of your own way and like, don't be afraid to do it because like, it's this beautiful side of it. And like, get out of your comfort zone is the real thing. There. Okay. Too many people, too many people are afraid and they're okay with just being okay. That's fucking sick. That says it so and well. I never, I've never been that person to just settle. I always want to do better. I always want to create something cooler. I always want to be like the next level of whatever. Like, yeah. Perfect example. Snapback hats. Remember who wore you them motherfucker. first? Me. Remember who you you who didn't like them? You. I hated them. Mm-hmm. There's and been what was the trend right after that? Snapback hats. Here we it, go. You've done it to me so many times. I it know. started with snapback hats. Then there was dad hats. Then there mm-hmm. was your stupid shoes. You were wearing the most ridiculous running shoes, and I was like, brother, these aren't Vans. And you're just like, you just wait. And then all of a sudden, you wore dad shoes first. You every every fashion trend. Uh-huh. But yeah. You have to just don't be afraid to be and do whatever you want, but also just like don't be afraid that anyone's going to say something. Because at the end of the day, like if I was worried about everyone else's thoughts and, and shit about me, I would never have done anything that I've done to this point. But I'm confident in who I am, what I do, and what I create. So yeah, I don't give a fuck. I don't care about what idiot next door has to say to me or like... yeah. There were so many people. You know what's craziest about all this shit? As a tour manager, yeah. I didn't say to a single person that I make music at all. No one oh, knew yeah. that I made music. Not a single person. I didn't go, oh, I got this side project, blah, 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 like with Capital Cities, with Black Bear, none of that. No one knew I was an artist. Yeah. Solely because I wanted to just do my job and be the best at my job and not act, not have people think that I'm there for the wrong reasons. And that shit in itself has helped me so much because yeah. when I made the decision to torment to own to stop tour managing and just be an artist again, yeah, obviously it was something I wanted to do my entire career. But I had to make money, I had to pay bills, and then this last year I was with so now the last three years have been Black Bear and Capital Cities that I tour manage. Yeah. So you went, like you made that jump. And mm-hmm. the last piece I'll say on that, which I thought was cool, um, like with you making that jump was like you did, like you, you, I watched you step up and have that confidence. But I think the other side, and you kind of said it, um, was like, I don't think you were ever afraid to ask, you know, like Never. for the little things, like well, like switching from like bus rentals and like all of a sudden you have Never. to get nicer coaches and things like that. You had made so many friends off of your goodwill and you were never afraid to ask. So anything that you didn't know, it was just this very chill question of being like, yo, like I needed this or that. And that was so sick. But yeah, so 
Capital Cities starts. And then from there, you kind of kept getting work at these bigger levels. Yeah. So I've done, you know, I did Smoke Perp. I've done. Oh my God. I forgot about yeah. that. I still, I still do Perp stuff every once in a while. And what's dope about the Perp stuff and kind of backpedaling to that part where when people ask for help and like want to learn, like I'm so willing to help them because that's how I was. Perp's creative dude, um, his name's Raheem. Yeah. Raheem, I met when I tour managed Perp those times. We've become great friends since then. And he's like, yo, I want to learn how to tour manage. And I'm like, why do you want to learn? He's like, because I want to do more than just be the guy that's helping write video treatments and news. I want to know what to do at all times. So if there is a problem, I can take care of it. I was like, cool. And he hit me up three times about it to learn. And finally on the third time, I drove over to his house and I sat down with him for like probably five hours and front to back taught him everything he ever would need to learn. Yeah. Because he had the drive and the motivation to want to be something more and to learn something and just like constantly better himself. So it's like, he's one of those people. And that was what I saw a lot of myself in him. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to show this guy everything because I don't want this job. Was right. perp. I love him as an artist and I love who he is. And I was like, I want Raheem to have this job, this job. So he's the one that everyone can go to. And it was, that was like me. It was one of those cool things, like full circle. I saw him. Yeah wanting to learn and be that guy. You've always kind of had that mentality of like, everyone can succeed. Everyone can eat. Like you yeah, don't need to just course. be the only, like it doesn't have to be that competitive. Never. I mean, even with me, you know, like when we were both scamming, like you were so quick to share stuff and so quick to help. And I, always, and I always will. Like that's the, the part of it that like people don't get is like, you don't have to like, my goal is not just for me to win and leave everyone behind. It's like for me and all of my friends to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what's the fun of having a fucking rad car if you can't drive it around with your homies who have other rad cars? You know what I mean? Like I don't want to go to like this beautiful exotic place by myself. I want all my friends to come along with me yeah. because they have worked hard. Like we all need to win together. And that was like for me... I can't stand when these fucking artists or people and all this shit think they're so much better than everyone else and they like exclude people out of situations. I don't fuck with that. So I made it a point to be the guy that's like, yo, if you're my friend and have been for the longest time, of course I'm going to do whatever I can to help you succeed because you would do the same for me. It's you know? so sick. It's such a good lesson. Like I, I yeah. wish more people had that mentality. But okay, so you teach Raheem. Is he still? T is he TMA yeah, he's now? Still, well, he's actually doing now. He's like merchandise managing for like he's just he was just on tour with Lil Mosey. He goes out with Perp all the time. Like he does a bunch of shit. So he leveled up. He did yeah, it. Yeah, he did it, and he's just he's killing it right now. And it's something I'm I'm so proud of him. And it's crazy. I hear like people be like, "Oh, you you taught Raheem how to do everything," because he's like so stoked that I did. I'm like, yeah, like I will gladly do that forever. Who wants? to do it you know that's sick so yeah did that and then everyone you know, riley m4a on the gram hit him up for a r i he'll teach then, everyone um, so you know first you the first year i did uh coachella with capital cities was crazy i told myself i'd never go to coachella unless it was with an artist yeah. and i did that and i've it, they were headlining their stage. We played yeah. against Radiohead. Radiohead's fucking console crashed. It was chaos. There was like fucking 20,000 people watching Capital City set. It was rad. That was like my first time. And I had a full production set up with this crazy huge prop. Like, a t yeah, it was wild. But then yeah. the next year, 
I had Black Bear as that. Yeah. So I tour managed Bear. And, and how did that come about? Bear, I met Bear randomly. So we've had mutual friends like our entire, like since we were both in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And I was at Emo Night one night. And Bear was with my good friend Travis. Travis was doing creative direction shit for The him. Travis that I just met? Travis Hardy. The Travis that we were at the Echo when you played. Yes, Travis. Oh, yeah, shit. Travis that's crazy. He's Travis like low-key behind the scenes on oh, a lot forever. of shit. He was like on the start of Young and Reckless with drama. Like he helped do all that shit. But so I'm. they were both at Emo Night. This was three years ago, two and a half years ago now. He comes up to me. He's like, yo, I... I wish I knew that you were the tour manager you were prior to this tour or whatever. I'd take you on this tour. This was like before I was even working for him. I was like, dude, it's all good. I was like, if you ever need anything from me, don't hesitate to call. Through that tour, I was getting calls from like venue people and things like that, uh, that they just like needed help like with their setup. So from home, I was like helping them out really? just out of the goodness of my heart. I was like, yeah. I want this guy's show to run amazing because he deserves it. He's a fucking most talented artist. And he was always super cool to me. And then from there... And if Travis vouched for him, like... Yeah, yeah. Trav. And and that's the thing. It's like, Trav is one of those creative fucking people who's just, like, so hardworking. And, like, he was involved in it. I was like, whatever I can do to help you guys out. Like, totally You knew it was good people. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did. And, you know, from there, that stemmed to, like, we did the Fallout Boy tour... And they like that arena tour was like us. That was was that your first one when you like fully fully went no, out with them? That well, no, I guess I did. We did like another run, but it was more like college, like festival shows. Okay. Like a, we've done, we did other runs of like festivals and all that shit, but that was like a full blown tour. You know what I mean? So we did that, and then the end of that year was pretty much going into Coachella, the second year in a row. That's right. And then from that point, you know, I was just getting up that like uh do i really want to do this anymore i was like i was so tired of like making everyone else's dreams come to life and like i told the story the other day on that interview i was like i was standing on stage making sure my production team had everything set for bear yeah and i looked out to forty thousand people and i was like if i don't do this for myself i'm gonna regret it the rest of my life and that was a year ago now coachella's this weekend well yeah that's so, exactly one year so a year from Today, a year ago from today, was when I made the decision to solely tour as an artist. And I've done it ever since. See, and that's so crazy. And what a, like a perfect transition into that part of your life. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, damn. Like people will work their entire careers to get to work with some of the artists you've worked with and like be a part of those teams. Wasn't and you did for me. so good. Like Thank it like you. really, like you were doing so well with it. But like as your friend, like I really can vouch for the fact of like throughout all this, you were making music and like you didn't push it on anyone. Mm-hmm. It was always like we would be like driving to a car meet or something and you'd be mm-hmm. like, you'll listen to this. And I'd be like, wait a minute. Yeah. And like it was always there and like you'd always joke around like on tours, like mm-hmm. you'd like check monitors and sing. And it was like, wait, he can actually do this though. Yep. It was wild. So, I'm just going to stand up. Oh, and okay. Just, just adjust my uh, pants here if anyone's oh, okay. watching. Okay. To all the viewers watching this live. But yeah, so that was like one of those things. It's like the whole time I wanted, you know, obviously I've wanted this since I stopped, since I had to stop doing it. And that was the deciding point. I was like, look, I've done this for so long and I've done everything that I could ever want as a tour manager. I was like, what, what's next? I've done all the biggest festivals. I've played all the arenas. Like, yeah, 
you kind of I have to do it for myself. Yeah. And that and I've made it a point. Like then the first right after that, like Young Pinch took me out on my very first tour, which was crazy. Like that was my first tour as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. So I went on that. And then the Chase Atlantic dudes then took me out. Yeah. And then I went to Europe with them twice. Yeah. And then Dude, it's just been, it's wild. Let me say something on the artist project, because like, again, we've been friends through all this, but like, I've just been able to watch it develop. And like the thing that fucking blew me away from day one of like, it's a common theme in you, but like when you say something, you mean it and like you go and you do it and you do it a hundred percent. So like there was the day where it's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Riley TMing black bear to like you being like, yeah, I'm going to go do the artist project. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. And then like, it wasn't like a, Oh, I'm going to dabble around with this and see how it goes. You were fucking in and you owned it. And what I respect is like, you didn't have any team. Like it was completely you DIY, nothing. But what you did have was you had the knowledge from all the other people you worked with. And from day fucking one that like you were doing the artist project, it felt so professional. So it's like, yeah, your first tour was Young Pinch, but like it it didn't look like you didn't fit in there. Like you fit right in. And dude, that was one of the coolest parts is like, you know, most of the people who say if they were in my situation went and started their project back up because it was something they were passionate about. A lot of people would have relationships with people and then the music would suck. So that's like, but for me in my, my case, it's like everyone fucked with me on a business level from major labels to managers, to booking agents, to all these things. Yeah. They loved me as a person. Yeah. So as soon as I released music and the music was good, they're like, yo, how can we help? You've been good to us for so long. Like what can we do for you now? Yeah. And I still haven't pulled favors. Like I've obviously I've like taken tours and things like that because people want to help and like that kind of thing. But at the, at the end of the day, it's like I haven't had to really like pull major favors and things to get places because like the music kind of spoke for itself. And, and I obviously spoke for myself, just me being who I am as a person. And it, it was, it's been a very, I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm just, I'm fucking grateful for like being able to do what I've done. Yeah. And it's like, I love, I love that. I love that there's both sides of it where it's like, you're extremely humble about it and you are grateful, but there's also like this, like you're extremely honest with yourself and like, you know, not to punish your friends and to like ask for favors that are hard to pull off. Yep. And it's like, it's crazy again, kind of like as the friend looking in, to see just what that's done for you because it's like by you just putting out a good product and being a good person and believing in it more than anyone else, these opportunities have kind of naturally come to you. And that's a really cool thing to see. And it's a cool lesson, I guess, to watch. I think the the like part that was really cool on my end and I was like, for example, the black bear thing, like the whole time I worked for Bear, yeah. he had no idea I made music, had no idea that I had this project, what I, any of that shit. And for the last, like you had almost a full EP, like uh-huh. while you were working with uh-huh. him. Yeah. I was working on it all the time. And then it, it was crazy because he finally found out and he goes, how did he find out? I don't know. Maybe the <laughs> internet or like his brother or something. But he goes like, he's like, why didn't you ever tell me you had a project? Yeah. I was like, because you paid me and took care of me. So I could 
do my job for you, which was tour manager. I was like, I didn't need anything else. I was like, we have our friendship relationship. We have our business relationship. I was like, I'm not here like everyone else to try to like ask you for shit and do shit like that. And he's like, no one's ever done that for me. And I just, so I was like, I was like, dude, we're friends. He's like, he's like, dude, I would have helped you if you asked for things. I was like, but that's not what I was here for, dude. And now, you know, moving forward, he fucking asked me to go to Brazil. I opened up for him in Brazil. How crazy was that? Because you just got back from that. Just got back from that. He's got a feature on the album. Like, and these are all things where I didn't ask for these. He's like, yo, I want a feature on the album. Yo, I want, I want you to open up for me. And that was solely for just being a good person and like not fucking poking your friends in the chest and saying, yeah. give me this, give me this, give me this. It's, it's not cool. Shouts to him too for he's like, great dude. he's, he's like seriously one of, I respect him so much and I learned so much from him, not just creatively, but like just about being, making sure that your creative vision is always first, you know, and knowing yeah. your worth and like, cause we were talking about that before the podcast started uh-huh. of like, throughout your artist project you've had this integrity or this like you have a vision of what this is right and you're not a dick about it but you also will not compromise i will not and you have had so many people come to you and like so many opportunities or different Uh things that you could have done Mm -hmm. and you never fucking compromise no so you got that from him a lot of it from him but also it's like seeing a lot of my friends get fucked up on signing bad deals and working with bad management and yeah all the shit i've just seen it happen over the years as a tour manager yeah but you know i just know i'm not naive i'm not a kid i'm yeah. like it's so funny every time a manager would hit me up like they'd be like oh we want to work with you so bad and blah 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 and i'm like cool well, here's a little background about me yeah and i give them the whole spiel about like me as a tour manager what i've done who i've worked with what i've done on my own as an artist and then no one responds back. Well, it's funny because like even, you know, like me, like going from the label, going from TMing to then the label to then managing artists, it's like right. I'll always, always try to like help you where I can. But like it's like I have to have that honesty and that realness with you or I'm like, dude, there's nothing that I, I can do I that you can't. For a long time, it didn't work out. But like on my end, I, what can I do for you that you can't do? Like, you know, like no, a lot of times an artist. I respected you for it. Like. It was never like, oh, cool, yeah, I'll do this and that and blah, 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 and like try to fit. No, we don't have, there's no bullshit between us. Dude, completely. That's that's like one thing that I respect so much is like we've been able to just stay friends and be real with one another and like continuously do what we want to do. And it's very rare, you know? Like, yeah. There's not that much of it nowadays. Well, that's like to me the common theme with you is like be it your friends, you know, like it doesn't matter at what level of success they're at. It doesn't matter any like any part of their life anything like it's just extremely real you treat people like people and like you know so it's like i'm sure that's why the board for every situation in life is like everyone's on the same playing field doesn't matter and that was why i think this is going the way it's going for me is because i've never like been that guy who was like i'm too cool for you or this situation it's like no i'll fucking I'll, I call it shaking hands and kissing babies. Like bottom line, like yeah, doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna shake everyone's hand and I'm yeah. gonna oh wow you have a beautiful child. Like yeah, it doesn't matter. Like but it's also not fake. Good. Like it's no, just it's not. That's just who I am. Yeah, and it's it, there's not enough of it. And that was like a main part when I like started this project back up 
I was like, look, I'm so sick and tired of all this bullshit that's going on with like the same song being made over and over again, the same marketing plan being put into place so that these artists can progress just like the other artists. I was like, I'm not this fucking cookie cutter bullshit. Like I'm not doing it. I'm not going to fake something in order to get to a situation that's better off for me. It's like, I'm going to do what I want, be who I am. You either fuck with it or or you don't. And if you don't, that's cool. That's it. It means it makes no difference to me. Right. And I've done that the whole time and I've literally watched it like slowly go up and up and up. And dude, yeah. it's only been nine. It, well, it, now it's just a year, just but a year. the EP has only been out eight months, like, which is crazy. So the other piece that I want to talk about and like, I, I know I said I wanted to get back to it. So here it is of like, so it's been nine months, a year of you doing this and there's a couple really cool accomplishments and things that you have done. So it's like we were talking a little bit about Warp Tour, right? Right. So the last Warp Tour 2018, mm-hmm. you were out on it. You didn't expect to be out on the whole thing, but no, again, I, you I being only... good person Riley brought in some cool shit. Right. And explain to me just that that beautiful chain of events. Dude, it was so, so it was crazy cuz uh, first, first off, it was only supposed to be like San Diego, Pomona, Arizona, San Francisco. Yep. Maybe one other one, I think. Vegas. Yeah. I think was some West Coast stuff. So after we do all those dates, Kevin Lyman just like happens to walk by the my stage when I'm playing. I get off stage. He's like, you're going to be one of the artists that I hear on the radio. He's like, do you want to play the rest of the tour? And I happen to be out on the tour anyways because I was going to tour manage an artist just so I can spend the last summer of Warp Tour with my friends on this tour. Yeah, it was like nostalgia coming yeah, back. Yeah, like, that you know was what? all it was. This it's like I get to rip with my friends every single day. Like, yeah, of course I want to do this. And Kevin comes up to me and asks me if I want to play the rest of the tour. He's like, I'll put you on a stage every single day that I can. Like, whatever we can do, yep. we'll, we'll do it. Like, that shit to me was like... Unreal. Uh, and for the listener, like, I, I think the funny thing about Warp Tour is like, you can't like, like that. It really comes from their team. Right. Um, where like they, they pick the artists that they want. They send right. the offers out. It's hard to like influence that. Yeah. And it's the last year of the tour. People are fighting 100%. for spots on it. And the tour was booked. Like this was Kevin seeing it and being like, yo, so the fact that you were on stages is like, it's not like you had an allotted stage. So, no. so, <laughs> you- <laughs> From there, since so basically they were like, you're gonna be on the full sale stage. So, in I was supposed to play the full sale stage. There was days where I couldn't. That stage was full because that stage catered to like every local band that was like had won a battle of the bands or had done this or that. So in turn, I got put on whatever stage was open that day being the fucking monster energy metal stage and the two main stages and the so one the la- in New York I played the monster metal stage right and my intro my intro to my set was car bomb by the acacia strain so literally I had a full band Chase Atlantic was my backing band for <laughs> Warp Tour mind you which is the like the coolest most punk shit rock. ever they were just like yo we want to play with you every day I was like what? Uh, uh, <laughs> they literally, I had everything on stage. And every photographer on the tour you're friends with, so you have like the most fire photos yeah. and like... <laughs> it was fucking great. But that was the funniest shit. Like it, in Atlanta, so t- two days I played on the, the metal stage. One was New York City. One was Atlanta. So in Atlanta, the funniest shit was 
I opened, so I was the first one to play on the metal stage that day. So Car Bomb, as if anyone knows that song, is very heavy, and it's just like a, a breakdown. So my intro was a fucking breakdown to my set. So everyone, I was like, what the fuck is up with the Acacia Strain? And as I said that, the gates were open, and uh-huh. kids were running <laughs> to the stage because they thought Acacia Strain was playing. Boom, the stage is full, <laughs> right? And I went psych, and then my first song dropped, and it was me. Which is, like, just so far just from R&B, yeah, yeah, completely different. So that was, like, the cool shit. But I ended up being able to play. I got to play every single stage of Warped Tour this last year. That's every, unreal. And I'm the only one that's ever done that in, in one tour. Like, Which played it, every single stage. That's so good. And they, towards the end, they were, like, Kevin and... Mel and Steph, like they were making it. They're like, all right, he has to play these three stages. Like it became a game. Like yeah. it was so an internal fi- warp tour Easter egg yes. of like, okay, where can we it. put Riley? And it got down to like it. the last week, and it was like, all right, he has white it was light. Down the last like, show, it was yeah. literally the very <laughs> last day. My last day on Warped was Atlanta, and that was when they're like, all he has to play is the white lightning stage. That's it, and they fucking made it happen. Which I played is- the other main stage the day before in North Carolina. Like, it was so rad. Like, so Amazing. we just were able to like. It's little things like that. Like, no yeah. one would ever give a fuck about, but everyone on that tour who's done it for years is like, I can't believe you got to play every fucking stage. Like, yeah. it was sick. And it feels like, like, again, like, amongst our circle of friends, like, it just feels like everyone's rooting for you. Like, yeah. all along the way, because you've treated so many people so well in so many different sides of the industry, you've tour managed so many artists, you've helped so many people, so you'll have yeah. these random people, like, even though your project is, like, primarily R&B, yeah. you'll have people from Metal World and Pop Punk World and all these... Every yeah. side of it is like, yo, do you fuck with Riley? Yeah. Like all these like metal kids like that don't know this scene are like, yo, but have you heard Riley? Dude, like Pat from Movements. <laughs> yeah. Like that's my favorite one. Like, and I, yeah, I, I don't think, whatever. Pat, me and Pat have been working on some stuff for something for him. And oh, that's it's so fucking cool. sick. And yeah. So it's like, I'm just getting to work with like a lot of different artists, like on the songwriting side, or I'm bringing some of my favorite artists in to write on shit with me. Like, because at the end of the day, it's like, I just want to make the best songs possible. Yeah. But just like all of like the whole scene, like champion. But yeah, it's like I get that. to, I, I'm getting to just do what I want and create what I want and getting to do it with some of the people that I love the most. And that's like yeah. something that's super important to me is like. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. So, okay. So then you do the pinch tour first. I do the pinch tour and then, then I do it was warp tour. Oh, it was warp tour. Mm-hmm. You became super close with the chase boys. And I had met them. Back in the day when I was tour managing Black Bear because they were the opening act. Oh, whoa, I didn't know that. Uh huh. They were opening act for Bear in Australia. So that's how I met them. Then they asked me to be on the tour with them after Warp Tour on their headline tour. So we did that straight into holding the microphone closer to my mouth. <laughs> and then after that, we went to Europe, did Europe, and then came home. And then I did. Uh, I did that tour with Tyler Carter that I totally forgot about. Oh, whoa. I went on that little Tyler Carter run. Yeah. And then I did my first headline tour. Holy shit, I've toured a lot. You've done so, so much. And yeah, in <laughs> dude, you know what was crazy? In last year, I did over 200 shows as, in my first year of being an artist. And that's not you TMing. That's you as an that's artist me as an performing. That's an artist, yeah. Performed over and 200 shows. without an agent... No without agent. a manager, Nothing. without a label, yep. getting tours that are bigger than tours that bands on labels will fight for yep. purely off of relationships. Yep. And just being a good person. 
It's literally what it came down to. Yeah. It was like people fuck with me and the music wasn't shit. You know yeah. what I mean? It would be different if the music sucked. But I think another, like, I guess like another thing, cause I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to not acknowledge this. Cause I think it's also an important lesson of like making yourself available and creating value. Mm-hmm. And you did such a good job of that. Cause like with the chase boys, you're like, yo, not only does this make perfect sense musically, right. but like, I can also help you with TMing and exactly. stuff like that. And, and it's that not like easy. you were faking it. You come from being a very professional TM. Exactly. So like you've done such a good job of always bringing value and always like instead of giving people a reason to say no you give them a reason to say yes you make it so good and like again you don't have a team behind you that's you yeah that's fucking cool from the creative to music to just everything involved it's like i i've i wanted things a very certain particular way and i wouldn't stop and i'm not going to stop until they're done exactly the way i want them and that's just it's just the drive of, of seeing people for so many years be able to follow their dreams and creative paths and do what they want to do to now I get my choice of this and I'm able to do it exactly the way I wanted. And it's, Down, it's working. Yeah. yeah and it's like to the point cool. of like, you know, you said that thing about art. So it's like not only have you been able to tour and do a lot of great shows, mm-hmm. it's also not like this wonky production. Like it's yeah. not like you came into it and it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's his first year. He doesn't have a team. You have a fucking video wall. Have an LED wall. Yeah. You have great, like you, it's not like some phone in, it's not like video and footage and content that you like no. took. Like you've made all of this with your friends because mm-hmm. you have these resources. Yep. You have these incredible musicians making these live transitions. Yeah. And like so many of the things in your touring, in your art, like the people that are making the art with you, like, I mean, what, like Chris, like, Chris doing Shelley, so, yeah, who's, who has done, who are some of his oh, clients? Uh, uh, Ariana Grande, Shawn Mendes. Uh, yeah. Some, affordable. Seems affordable know, for, some uh, big the TV stars. DIY artists. to Mars. Uh, yeah. You know, so huge. it's like you have all yeah. these friends that just genuinely believe in you. Right. And now they're just like, how can we help? Cause you've helped us or done stuff for us for so long. Like we want to help you. Everyone. And that was like. That's the part that I always tell people. It's like you can selflessly like just be there for your friends and don't expect anything to like turn around or expect anything in return. Yeah. But it will come full circle. Yeah. Every single time it does. And like that's one thing that I've started like really appreciating more and more is that I... I don't need to ask for something. I don't need to expect anything in return. I just know that there's something that's going to happen down the road where it's going to pay itself back. And cool. If it does, great. And if it doesn't, great. I'm, yeah. They're still my friends. These people are still going to be in my life, you know? Yeah. So Well, that's like, again, like a cool part is like, you're not a dick. You're not like cocky about it. But it's also like, you're never leaning on other people for favors. You're extremely self-sufficient. Yeah. So it's like, never in any of this time. Like it's great when your friends hook it up. It's great when your friends yeah. want to help, but, but then, and you are, yeah. and you've continued to prove that. And like, again, like it's really easy for an artist to come into this, especially after you've lived the good life touring to realize that it's not easy and to quit and yeah. you just don't, and you won't. And like, there's just this grit. Yeah. So it's like, it's really cool to sit down now and hear that. Uh, just cause it's like, I hope this is such a cool time capsule. Oh, of- it's so sick. Like every, like the, this is like the shit that I love. Like 
this with you or the thing was things with fish or like yeah the people who are like really close to me that i've been friends with for a long time like i was one of the only people that told fish no on like uh. an interview. i like when i was a tour manager i was like yo you need to cut the interview now he's like no one ever told me that i need to stop the interview i was like oh, i'm gonna it's me i'm gonna but yeah. that's the thing it's like we have a friend relationship like that where all these people who have known me forever as a tour manager are finally getting to see like what I really want and what I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Come up and yeah, it's just cool to, to like see everyone else's perspective on it because me, I'm so caught up in it every single day and worried about the numbers and the financial and like dude art, creative writing, yeah. like all this shit. And it's like, I forget, like I forget how cool it is watching it happen because I'm so engulfed in it and oh, trying yeah. to make it happen because financially I need to make things go faster and Dude, bigger I mean, and whatever. But for me, it's, it's just like, it's, it's amazing that I still get to just literally hang out with my friends every day. Yeah. Do exactly what I want and be creative. And there's no cookie cutter of like what I need to be stuck doing or how I need to do things. I just do them how I please. And if you love them, great. If you hate them, great. I don't give a fuck because I love them. You yeah. know, that's like the main thing I've always told everyone is like, I don't care if you like it. I don't care if I need to win you over this and that. It's like, as long as I'm happy and I think I'm making and writing and being the best person that I can. Yeah. It's all that fucking matters to me. And I, I just love that as an example because it's like, you're not a dick. No. You're just very confident in yourself. So you're not and saying, times I'm not like, don't get me wrong. Well, I'm not like, oh, like, Oh God, like whatever. But no, I, it's what it is. It's like, yeah, you have to be, you right. have to be proud of your, of whatever your product is. It's like yeah. you own a business. You know, you have to be proud of your product. You have to like, you are the representation of what you create. And if you're not like saying, oh, I love this. Cool. If you don't love it, that's great. There's going to be someone else who will. And if you don't, if they don't, I do. You yeah. Know I mean? Just, well, it's being proud of what you create and who you are. It's again, it's that perfect balance because it's like we have so many friend conversations where it's like even today, like you had to fucking weld a cracked rim and yeah. like pay for a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And like we'll talk about like, oh, like here's this dope agent and like it would be really nice to get a meeting with them and like yeah. it takes them so long to like do it or to care yeah. or to notice so it's like don't get me wrong like you go through your struggles and you yeah, don't have course. it all figured out but on the outside and it's not a front but it's just like you have your struggles but you believe in yourself and you have that Bottom confidence line. and it's like I think that's a cool lesson to see. And like, I've taken a lot from that too. Cause it's like, maybe you don't have it all figured out on the inside, right. but like when you can exude that confidence and have right. that vision, it makes it a lot easier for people to get on board. And I, and I always tell, I tell people, I tell fans that all the time. It's like the, the goal of it all is not to, 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 I mean, okay. The goal of it is to, I want to be the big and I will, it's not, I want to be, it's like, I will be the biggest artist in the world. But it's it's more so that I'm content with who I am and what I'm doing. Yeah. And I was like, that's all that matters. Yeah. I don't, anything else, whatever. Like, I'm broke right now. You know what <laughs> I mean, if you'd see my bank account, you'd fucking laugh. I'm broke. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm doing what I want to do and I'm happy with what I'm doing. So fuck it. Yeah. Money comes. And then when I'll the money fine. comes, it's that much sweeter because exactly. you do, so, you're getting it from something you love. Like, I, I just put, I posted today, I was like, I was like, dude, I just want to quit and get a normal job. But it's the days where I want to quit. I have to work twice as hard and be more creative and try to do something outside of the norm. Yeah. So that when it comes down to it, it's like, at least I know I'm being proactive 
into my future of what it is. And like, thank you for sharing that side of vulnerability too, because it's like, I really hope that whoever listens to this or takes anything away from it, it's like, let you be the example of like, so good at what you do, so confident when you need to be such a vision of what you want to do. And even with all of that, and even with a year of insane success as a DIY artist, you have days where you're like, fuck dude, I want to quit. Like there's always that. So like, that's cool. Um, what would you say is next? So I go out on this tour with Boogie. Yep. Um, Tell me about that. That's cool. That's going to be an amazing tour. He's one of my favorite artists right now. So if you haven't heard of him, check him out. Uh, WS underscore Boogie. Yeah. Um, he's this artist from Compton. He signed to Love Renaissance, which is like Black's label. So it's like, it's a very uh, cool tour that I get to go on and it's something yep. completely different because it's more in, in the hip hop aspect of things and it's somewhere that I really think I need to be put in music. Yeah. Um, so I do that, get home. I just got asked today to do Warp Tour in Atlantic City, so I'll be doing that. Hell yeah. Um, and then I got a couple of festivals this summer and then also I'm headlining the Kiss FM um, Fashion Week for Central New York. Unreal. Yeah, which is wild. They're playing songs on the radio and shit. It's unbelievable to me still. Um, but yeah, it's really just finishing this album. I really want to release the album August 3rd, so it's exactly a year from when I released the EP. Oh, sick. Yeah, I'd really love to release it then. And um, just literally continue to do what I'm doing, but just staying humble and being a, a good person. Because at the end of the day, that. if I'm not that person, I'm just going to be a, a dickhead. and You'll just be... No one's going to respect me and... I'm going to be mad at myself. So I'd rather just continue to be humble and do what I am good at doing and just be me. You know, I love that. That's it. Um, and then I have two others entirely unrelated, but I'll go with this one first of like, if you were to go back to Riley cutting hair in OC, doing the band thing a little bit, touring with your friends a little bit, but like clearly at a spot where you're like, I want something fucking better than this. Uh if there was any type of advice or if you could just have a conversation with that self, with what you know now, what would be like the lesson that stands out the most? Try harder. Um, that was like one thing, like I'm one of those people that's like constantly searching to be better than I was the day before, whatever it is I'm doing. And I think at that point I, I went into tour managing cause I didn't go into tour managing. I, I stayed tour managing because the money was good. But if I would have stayed doing the artist thing, I would have been in a crazier situation now, I personally feel. But then again, who knows? It could have been completely different. And, but I always, one big thing for me now is like, just follow the dream and not the paycheck. No matter what. Like, it doesn't matter. The money comes. Everything else will come. Just do what you fucking love doing. Because if you don't and you're not doing what you love, you're not going to do it anyways in a few years. That's just what I've, I've learned. It's like, it's so much more important to be happy creating and doing exactly what you want to do than doing anything for any amount of money. Yeah. Well, to add to that, like, I just think about like everyone or it can, it doesn't have to be everyone, but like, it can be so scary. The idea of failing, right? Uh, Like you can look at a task, you can look at your dream and be like, yo, this is crazy. But like to the point where like failure seems so much more likely than success that you never even take the shot. But like more and more lately, like I think about it and it's just like when I'm old and I'm looking back at like the stories and everything I've done, 
I would so much rather proudly tell my grandkids how hard I failed and how much I committed versus being like, I took the safe route. I had this great nine to five and that's why I have this good 401k. Like at least right now in our lives and what we've been through, like the shit that we can, we've literally lived and done exactly what we wanted to do our whole lives. And that's, exactly what i want i don't want to be at a desk i don't want to be like going asking myself what if or maybe i should have done this or whatever i'm i'm never going to be in that situation i'm constantly just going to do what feels right rather than what looks good on paper so fucking cool i love that and then my other one my entirely unrelated one Mm -hmm. for the (laughs) for the listener at the very end who came here for a music podcast and maybe just happens to like cars like we do Uh Let's touch on a couple of the vehicles you've built because I've liked them. <laughs> uh, Mark IV GTI shaved everything. And that's, that's where I figured out that we were Flat both car line. friends because I saw it yes. on Instagram. I was like, wait, what the fuck? This is yours? Yeah. And then I had a, sold that, got a Mark IV GLI on coilovers that had the Land Rover wheels on it. Never mind. That's the first car I saw. Is that the one you saw? Yep. So I had the matte black GTI before that. Okay. Um, And then from there, I sold the GLI, bought the shitty Mark III that was rusted, dirty, gross stock from New Jersey. Got it for like 800 bucks or something. Yeah. Tore it apart, rebuilt it, full new paint. Was that, that the green one? Yeah. The was, turquoise one? Yep. That thing was Whoa. rusted out. That thing had been sanded down to bare metal, reef welded, like everything had been done on that car. Wow. Because so that car is gorgeous now. That car yeah. went to Gino Vaderworks. Yep, that's Gino's now. And then got rid of that one, bought the A4 Avant off Prezi, the supercharged Prezi, one. Then I which drove was it, we drove it across the country. 2016. Yeah. I was moving from Florida yep. to California. Which was sick. That you, was a fucking friendship drive. Oh my God. You bought that car. It was a B5? Uh, 5 or B6? Yeah, it was a B5 A4 Avant, six-speed supercharged? Six speed manual supercharged with an and, aftermarket supercharger in it. And it was on it was coils. Like 50, yeah, it was getting on coils, tucking, tucking, and I drove it across the country. Drove all the way across the country, getting like 50 miles to the gallon. That was the cr- I had half a tank every time we'd pull over, and you're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, I still got half a tank. You're I was like, driving I'm a empty. Civic, and I was having to fill up more than you. Yep. It drives all the way across the country, this car on the ground, supercharged, all this crazy shit, hadn't been tuned, hadn't been aligned, perfect, all the way across the country, and the only, only, only issue was flat one tire, flat tire, Arizona. and that was just because of some pothole or something. Yep. And um, then from there, sold that, got the 540i BMW Touring. Yep, the <laughs> wagon with a V8, which was so sick. So sick, but put when it I put on the air. air suspension on it, it just didn't ride. Didn't ride right. Yeah. And then from there, I bought a C6 A6 Avant. And I've had the Avant ever since. It's so good. And it's bagged. It's beautiful. Big body. Yep. It's great. I just, I love that side of you. And like, I think the reason why I love it so much is like, one, it's hard enough to own a modified car in Southern California, like that low yeah. or that anything. Two, it's hard to maintain and keep a car like that going when you're on the road. Dude, like, it's a nightmare. 
So the fact, like all of that, and like, I don't know, I just think that that shows how much like you care about the things you care about. Yeah. Like that's cool. It's so. a little things, dude. You got to have something to like, yeah, I love doing everything that I'm doing right now, but that's like my, my thing. You know what I mean? And everyone sees it like, what the fuck? This thing's so dumb. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like another, <laughs> it's my hobby on the outside of things. It's like another layer and a nod to the fact of like, I guess like there's just a part of you where it's like, you truly understand culture. Cause it's like cars, you do it right. And like, you have the coolest setups and you like, you properly do it. You get it fashion. We didn't even talk about that, but like, you're always ahead. You understand the culture. You understand the people that are like true taste makers. And again, I think that's a nod to like why I believe in you so much is like, there's just a level of like, you care. Yeah. And I mean, just to lightly touch on the fashion thing, it's, it's the same thing for me. It's the creativity. All these designers that I love so much are people who like, aren't afraid to like, stretch the boundaries and like do stuff that's cool like and that's something i respect so much because hand in hand for me it's like i've always been a fan of fashion like always and how much it incorporates into what i do in everyday life and what i wear is just like very me and that's something i always love like for me it's like i was telling someone the other day it's like for me audio and visual go hand in hand and that visual also is fashion like what i'm wearing what i wear on stage and all that stuff so it's like I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's cool to be able to do what the fuck I want whenever I want. And I get to be me. I yeah. get to solely be me. And there's no, there's no if or but, or like, Oh, maybe I should do this. No, I just get to do what I want. Yeah. Like what I want. And you so, own it. Like, yeah. it's like, I think like you can just see like when somebody's wearing like whatever designer, whatever, anything, like it doesn't have to be designer. Like when somebody is trying too hard, you can oh, see yeah. it in cars, you can see it in fashion, you can see it in music. Yep. And like, there's just a sense of you just being like, you just care so much that, you know, like you see your vision of what you love and you, you rock it so confidently. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think we did the damn thing. I think we did it. Uh, I had Taco Bell and I smoked 12 cigarettes in his room and it smells like a bar. So and, uh, this was also a trying one. I hope for the listener that it wasn't too bad. We had like 19 people try to open the garage. Somebody fucking turned on the water behind took us. A dump, <laughs> took a shower and a dump. So I hope, I think there was like a dog and like a siren. Like we really powered through some bullshit there. We did. We did it. Thank you for having me, dude. I'm glad that we actually got to do it. It's fucking. I'm honored sick. to have you. And now you. we're going to go to a party at Tony Tomasino's house and he's a narc. So fuck you. We don't trust you, cop. No, I'm just kidding. We love you, Tony. All right. Boom. That's it. We're all Sign my friends. Off. We're not live. So there you have it. Riley's story. I really hope you liked the episode. He's a really good dude. I'm sure that this is just the beginning for him. So follow him, follow along. I cannot wait to see what else he does. Again, his social media is at RileyM4A. Keep an eye on him because he's going to be doing a lot more cool shit this year. Uh, I really think that says it all. Thank you for listening. Come back again next week. Keep telling your friends about the episode. Uh, That's all I got. Thanks for listening. Later.